Okay. Thank you for that song. I really like that. You're a good, good father. That's a, one of my favorites. The mic's all over the place here. It's kind of neat this week. I, uh, I got to get out and visit some people. I went and saw uh, Charlie and Nikki, went over to their house and had a really nice time with them. And, and uh, I didn't realize the kind of the extent to Nikki's injury to her, her knee, the, the wound and stuff. And we talked about that, and, and then uh, she told me some stories about her father, who was a, actually was killed in World War II, and all of a sudden we had a common interest, and next thing you know, we're talking about Battle of the Bulge and this and that, and you know, Charlie's sitting there like, hey, you know, so we're sitting there. What a neat uh, you know, opportunity to, to talk, and uh, I also this week had got a, a text message, a phone call. Jim's mom uh, ended up in the hospital, and she wasn't feeling well, and she's okay now, but um, Estella had, had texted me, and, you know, uh, you know, she's not doing well, and could you pray for her? And I'm like, yes, I'll do that. And so we were actually at a basketball game. We were almost home, and I'm like, well, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get cleaned up. I'm going to grab my stuff, and I'll, you know, I'll be over in a little bit. And she goes, oh, that's so sweet. He's in Chicago. <laughs> I'm like, I like Chicago. I could have, you know, I could fly up there. So, I, but that was pretty. That was good. I'm glad she's feeling all right too. So, well, today I wanted to uh, take a look at the Bible. I'd asked all of you to bring your favorite Bible today, and you know, we'd been going through the church and looking around, and some of us have found. Boxes of Bibles, Bibles here, there, all over the place, and we need to get those Bibles out into people's hands. Um, now I realize I, I tease some of you. You need to, you know, get a Bible in your hand, and some of you got your little iPod uh, or you know the Bible apps and stuff like. I've got all that stuff too. I tease people. You need a Bible, you know, but I use that stuff too. So if you're into that, that's fine. It's the Word of God that matters. The format, the medium, you know, is, is what it is. Uh, the printed Word, of course, has been with us for a long time. And, but, uh, you know, whatever format you, you enjoy, I mean, go for it. If you're into, you know, I have a friend, his, uh, he's not a pastor or anything. I think he's just a, just a regular guy. And his ministry is, to all the friends on his uh, friends list, he sends a Bible verse out every day. He just picks one out that he likes, and he'll text it to everybody on this list. There's probably 300 of us. He's an ex-Army uh, Ranger, is what he is. So, and uh, he'll, he'll send that out. And I look forward to that every day. And I've had people say, you really need this Bible app. You need to get this. I mean, you'll get all this stuff. I've already got better than that. i got a guy by the name of James who he sends me stuff all the time. And uh, you know, that's how, however, whatever you use to, to look at the Bible, to start to read about God's Word, is, is, uh, it's really cool. So I want to look at the Bible today a little bit and, uh, and why you know, we sometimes have trouble reading the Bible and, and put it off and, ah, the Bible, you know. But uh, I want to start in the... You know, as a history teacher, I, you know, 
I got to dig into the history a little bit. There was in the 15th century. There was a man by the name of William Tyndale, and uh, William Tyndale was a man who, at that time, had a lot of passion for translating the, uh, the Bible into the English language. At that time, the Catholic Church had pulled the Bible together, um, but it was only in the hands of priests. There was only certain people within the church hierarchy who had access to the Bible. Uh, the belief was only certain people should really read it and be able to comment on it anyways. Us common people, we'd never be able to you know, figure out the Bible or read any of that. Uh, you know, we're not qualified. We're not of the priestly order. But people began to get a hold of the Scriptures and translate them into English. They translated it into German and other languages. Of course, that was met by resistance from the Catholic Church. That's just a historical fact. And uh, it's interesting that many people paid with their lives to translate the Bible into English. And we take that for granted. I mean, the Bible's all over the place in, in this country. But there were people who originally, when it came time to put the Bible together, I mean, they, they paid for that. William Tyndale wanted to translate the New Testament into English. Okay, to, And uh, being in England that time, that would get you in a lot of trouble. England was under a Catholic king. And uh, to escape death, he ended up heading off to Germany. And he used German texts. He got the, the Latin that the, the Catholic Church was using at the time. He got a hold of some Greek versions. And he developed, really, the first real English translation of the New Testament. And his translation would later be used to create what was called the authorized version. Okay, the, the, the King James Bible. Later, King James would say, no, we need to get this into English Let's put it into English. I always love that, the authorized version. And you still have, I used to work in a Christian bookstore. I think I've told this joke before, but we used to sell a lot of Bibles in there. Every once in a while, you, and it, if you've never uh, looked at the Bible or haven't really looked in a Bible bookstore, there are tons of translations. You can get it in, in all kinds of translations. You can get it in uh, leather-bound, you can get it as a hardback. You, I mean, it's, it can be daunting if you walk in there. This little old lady walks in there, and, and uh, you know, she was used to getting things her way, I think. She walked in there, and we're like, can I help you? She was, I want to look at the Bibles. Oh, okay, well, let's, let's go look at the Bibles. So we get back there, and I'm showing her the, this is the, the NIV, that's a, you know, the new... New International, that's a really good one. New American Standard, you might like that. She goes, I want the authorized version, not these, these fakes. You know, I don't want these, you know, these knockoff Bibles. I want the authorized version. And as sure as I'm here, I mean, she told me, I mean, the authorized good one was good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for me. So, so well, King James it is. So, so off we went and... I didn't, didn't explain anything to her. But. but thankfully, we had people like William Tyndale, who if we go to the next slide, he was not known as a great hero at that time, but uh, he actually would pay for his life. William Tyndale was arrested. He would be executed. He would be... Um, 
we awake back there? The computer lock up. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, William Tyndale, yeah. He, uh, he was actually captured and uh, at the time was, would have been considered a notorious uh, person. You know, how dare you do this, going against the church and all that. William Tyndale was captured. He was tied to a stake. He was strangulated before he was killed. They killed him as he was tied up. They strangled him, and then they burned his body. Burned at the stake. What was his crime? He translated the Bible into English so that people like you and me could have access to God's Word. Tyndale died so that English-speaking peoples could read the Bible. They could study God's Word, and they could do it unfiltered, without you know, a priest or somebody else commenting, uh, you know, this is what the Bible means, you need to believe this. Well, now we have the Bible, you can read it yourself, and make up your own mind, your own opinions about what the Bible really says. Unfortunately, many Christians, I think, love the idea of the Bible, but not really the Bible itself. The Bible can be kind of daunting. You pick up a Bible, and you're going to read God's Word, and you're like, what is this? Judges? What's a, what's a Deuteronomy? Is that a dinosaur? <laughs> you know, you know Deuteronomus or something? What, what, what? And you start looking in there, trying to figure out what... You know, we love having a Bible close by. I think every house probably has a Bible in there. You know, even probably within reach, but we usually don't make, uh, you know, a lot of time to, to read it. Let's move on here. And uh, I want to give you an example of a guy, though, who, uh, like most of us, you know, he liked having the Bible around. This is somebody who actually, he loved God's Word. We talk about Bible reading like we talk about sometimes you know, cutting calories or cleaning the house. I've got to go clean the house. Yeah, I had to give up drinking pop again. I've got to go read the Bible. I've got to get that done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're grateful for the results once we actually do it, but sometimes we don't wake up dying to, you know, to, to do it. You know, it sounds like a fine thing to do, but until we have to choose what we won't do in order to make time for it, you know, it, it can be a hassle. But here in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 24 is kind of where I want to start. And this is, I believe, I have to go back and look. This might be the longest chapter in the Bible. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And, and uh, Psalm 119... Uh, it really talks about the Word of God, and starting in verse 9, and uh, you probably have heard some of these, these before. I'm just going to, to read it to you. How can a young man keep his way pure? Well, by guarding it according to your Word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth, and the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. 
I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This guy loves reading God's word. Now, of course, they didn't have the Bible, but they had, you know, writings, things Moses had, had, had uh, you know, put down that they had, had passed on, the, the writings of the law. There was religious writing for them, specific to the God of Israel. It goes on, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. This is a guy that loves God's word. He can't get enough of it. It doesn't matter what's going on. You know, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to think about God's word. What can you tell me from it? What can I learn from this? Now, I'll be honest with you. That kind of devotion, it kind of makes me feel frustrated. Okay, I, I love to read the Bible, but I don't read it like this guy does. I want to. Maybe I'll get to that point if I keep working at it. Okay, uh, you know, it's a process. Um, one of the reasons I think people, some, one of the excuses I get, you know, as I've talked to people about reading the Bible, you know, I'd, like to, I'd like to read the Bible, it's just, it's boring. Parts of it are just boring, and I just don't see how that's going to help me at all, and you know, some people love the Bible. Some people love other people. Some people like to read. Some people don't like to read. But the Bible, you kind of like the gospel message, is not meant to just be enjoyed by a few. Those of us who, who may not like to read, the Bible is still for you. Okay? Um, my my grandmother once told me, and I disagreed with her on this, she goes, oh, the Bible is so big, I, I just don't think God meant for us to read the whole thing. I just can't see how he... I'm like, Grandma, <laughs> we can make it through the Bible. You know, and I know people who have read the Bible hundreds of times. I have read about 98% of it. I've read probably the New Testament probably 30 or 40, 50 times. But there are still a few books of the Old Testament. I, I can't remember if I read them or not. It's been so long, so I might as well say I've never read them. But the day I, I get done, I'm going to mark that down. <laughs> Check that off the bucket list. You know, I'm going to get that done at least once. But I know some people, they've read it hundreds of times. That's fantastic. You know, I have a hard, you know, I admit I have a hard time sometimes remembering to read the Bible. I get too busy, you know, in the mornings especially. We're up, we got to go out the door into the house, you know, and I, we're forgetting what the Bible really is and, and that it's there for us. But when I do find time to read the Bible, one of the things that I love about it is I'm, I'm constantly discovering new things. 
And I've, I've heard people who tell me, you know, I've read the Bible hundreds of times. I'll still find something that'll just pop out at me. I'm like, whoa, I never knew that. I never caught that before. There's always something coming up and uh, little details that you might miss the first time around. Now, some of it's not exactly thrilling learning. Uh, Deuteronomy. How many of you spent a lot of time in Deuteronomy? That's what I figured. What about First Chronicles? No, no, well, they're not exactly page turners, are they? You know, you know, there's some weird stuff in there sometimes. But then again, I remind myself of uh, of a verse, 2 Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen. We move on here. All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching. Rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible has a purpose. It's interesting that Paul, when he wrote that, he said all Scripture. Not just some of it, but all of it. Not just the interesting parts, not just the exciting parts, uh, but all of it. That includes the laws that God gave to Israel and all of the lengthy family trees. Uh, a lot of t- times people will start reading the New Testament. They jump into Matthew and they're like, oh, I finally I can't read. I can't believe that you know, I got the Bible. I can't wait to read it. I'm a new Christian. Lord, teach me something new. And Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah. Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez, and, uh, and you start, <laughs> what happened there? I, mean, I thought this was going mean, to... All Scripture is God-breathed. It, it emanates from Him. It, it was for a reason, for a purpose. Its usefulness is there to teach us to rebuke us, you know, to point out when we're wrong, to, uh, to train us in righteousness. So, you know, uh, I love what the writer in Psalm said. We read it. How can a young man keep his way pure? You know, I've had kids at school. You know, man, I keep screwing up. Oh, man, I really want to quit doing that. I want to get things figured out. And I'm thinking, you need to keep, your, you know, guard, uh, you know, guard it according to the word of God. You have trouble in your life right now? Read the Word of God. Compare it. See how it matches up. How can you keep your way pure? Guarding it according to the Word. You know, there are many passages in the Bible I don't get. (laughs) There are some stories I'll read that are just, they seem too fantastic to me. Uh... But I am going to take God at his word and trust that if I keep reading it and rereading it and looking at it and wrestling with it, that, you know, instead of just picking out my favorite verses and my favorite chapters here and there and rereading those, you know, constantly and constantly, his scripture will continue to teach me. It'll continue to rebuke me, to correct me, to train me more in the area of righteousness. Lord knows I've got a long way to go. 
I was on a holy terror the other night, stomping through the house, throwing a fit. Darn cats and dogs and this and that. And I was throwing a fit. And, you know, I'm not being very, not very righteous there. All right. Uh, wasn't very pretty. You know, everybody just kind of like ran off and I'm here by myself. And I'm like, man, was I that bad? I, I think I was. So, you know, I, so much for putting into practice what I've learned. But think about it, you know, all Scripture is, is valuable. I, I think about during Jesus' ministry on earth. He only had, really, what we would call parts of the Old Testament. And the books that he quoted from the most were Deuteronomy and the Psalms. Now, if I was going to try to teach people, I don't know that I would pick Deuteronomy and, you know, to try to train people... Of course, being Jewish, that book meant a lot to them. I, I get that. It makes me think twice sometimes about skipping it. You know, next time I want to read through the Bible, you know, Deuteronomy. <laughs> Skip that one. Well, you know, in a more practical sense, I'm just curious. How do you read the Bible? I mean, some of us, you know, we read the Bible as uh, almost like a rule book. We move ahead here. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I played a lot of baseball. I tried to count up how many games I played as a kid. I know it was in over a thousand, probably from you know little kid up. Just tons of games. Loved to play baseball. And every once in a while, in a game, you would you get into a situation where the ump would make a call, and the coach come running out of the dugout with a rule book in his hand. Hey! Hey, that's not, that's not what the... You know, look at here. And they stand there and they argue and they flip through the book. <coughs> Excuse me. And sometimes we look at the Bible, I think, almost like a... You know, it's a rule book. You know, here's our, here are the rules. We're going to play this Christian game. We've got to have some rules here. And you've got to, you know, follow the rules. And, and then, uh, the Bible is a lot more than just a rule book. Okay. Do you read the Bible as if you're reading a rule book? You know, I'm a, I don't, when I coach football or whatever, I mean, the state of Ohio always puts out every year a little booklet. This is the rules of the sport. I don't go back and read through everything. You know, I don't meditate on the rules of the game. And the, but I know many people see the Bible as a giant rule book. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Just pull out a list in there, and as long as I don't fit on that list, I must be okay. You know, it's not there, so I guess, I guess I'm good. And Jesus warned us to be careful that in our zeal to keep the letter of the law, we end up violating the, the spirit of it. We call this legalism. Legalism uh, could destroy churches. It's hurt people. Yeah, we know, you know, you're probably right, but was that the wisest thing to, you know, to do to some to bash somebody with? I had a, a student of mine was adopted by a loving Christian family. This student was is uh has considerable issues, okay? Uh was abused as a child, sexually abused, had uh problems with drugs. 
um, bounced around from foster family to foster family, was adopted by a family, and then within about a year, they gave her back up again. They didn't want her anymore. You can imagine this kid has some severe trust issues with, with adults. She ended up coming to our school and was with a, a wonderful Christian family who took her in. Eventually, they adopted her. And she had a stable home, but because of all of the baggage and all of the trauma that this child has been through, this is a pretty rough kid. And this is somebody who uh, has uh, you know, adopted uh, a drug lifestyle, has uh, adopted a gay lifestyle. Uh, she has significant you know, things that, that she's dealing with, but her family loves her, and she loves her family. It's obvious. But there are significant things that, you know, that go on that affect her life. And uh, psychology, we call it maladaptive behaviors, constant self-defeating behaviors that just destroy your life. It won't allow you to get ahead. Every once in a while, her mother would post some great thing that the kid did, like, like on Facebook, like a lot of, a parent, a lot of parents do. Oh, look, my kid did this today. Uh, Karen and uh, Ben, there's pictures of uh, Danny doing flips across the thing. And this was like a big tournament or something. Well, I would want people to see that. I post pictures of Kale all the time. I know people are like, Ugh, more pictures of your kid. You know, move on. You know, we don't want to see about your kid. People are proud. They want to talk about their kid. But one of the extended family members in this family would always take that opportunity to bash that girl and her family on Facebook. Now, I cannot understand how you people allow her, this, this lesbian, to live in your house and how you allow her to take drugs. And, you know, and this family then you know, will respond back, this is a matter for our home. Despite these things, we love our child. We love them unconditionally. Yes, the Bible has some strong words to say about those topics. But that's between that girl and God. God will judge her according to those things. My job as a parent is to love that child. To love them and to raise them and to encourage them and to try to lead them into righteousness. Here's the Bible. Read it. We, we leave out the power of God so many times. We think it's our responsibility to fix people. That's God's responsibility. God is the one who calls, causes people to grow. Your job is to maybe drop the seed in the ground. He'll cause the growth. We are shocked sometimes at the behaviors of non-Christians. Why is anybody shocked when a non-Christian does something? And they're, they're not Christians. But you give them the word of God. You plant a seed. Over time, God's will will be done in the life of that person. Give God some credit. I think a lot of times we get in the way of God, what God intends, what he wants. That stuff, those behaviors, of course they don't make God pleased. Of course he's not happy that this child is involved in these activities because it would it's a it's a hurtful lifestyle but god is interested in the idea of salvation god wants people to grow in their love and in their fellowship 
with his son. And God's word is there for exhortation for the believer, for us to learn and to grow. The scripture is a conduit for delivering the message of God's love. Too many people use it as a rule book. That's a foul. You screwed up. Uh, yeah, right here. You screwed up, you heathen. How could you do such a thing? You know, you're like, I'm sorry. You know, I wish I was as perfect as that person. You know, I'd go live with them. I, I'm not a perfect person at all. I. Um. Anyways, don't misunderstand me. I don't believe that people should be able to do whatever they want, whenever they want, and God will forgive you. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, what I'm saying is, you know, the Word of God is there to teach, and as we expose people to the Word of God, as they start to incorporate Christ into their life, He will bring about the change in their life. Just give them some time. Be patient. Well, some people read the Bible like uh, the official rules of Christianity illustrated. You know, you go, and you're, oh, you showed up in that list. You're in the bad list. Other people read the Bible almost as if it's a, it's a love letter. I love this note. Looking at us now, I still can't believe we ended up together. Not only because we started dating five and a half years after we met, but because I don't know how I got so lucky to be with someone as great as you. How would you like to get that? It'd be awesome. The Bible's a love letter from, from God. How many of you got love letters? No, look at this. Nobody. Well, we got one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What a passionless group. You poor people. I got tons of love letters. I, I love them. When I would get one, I mean, I can remember the excitement, because they were always, like, uh, somebody you didn't know was there laughing. I'm like, yes, I got to love them. Who is this? And you're like, now, who could it be? It could be this person. It could be that person. Oh, please let it be that person. And then you'd find out, and usually it was like, oh, man, it's not what I wanted. But I can remember, you know, you would get that, and you would open it up, and See, you poor kids today, you, it's all texting. There's no fun in that. We used to get like in triangles. You'd have to unfold it 800 ways to figure out what was in there. And then, now you just get a text. Bing. You know, okay. But, uh, you know, I remember the passion, the fun of it, frankly. And I read them over and over again. It made me feel like, yes, you know, I'm not a total dork. I, you know. When I, w I was in high school, I'd walk around kind of like this. I was a pretty serious-looking dude. I didn't mean to be. That's just my face, you know. I just... And I'd have people, like, pat me on the back, and I'd walk down the hall and find out somebody had taped a thing, like, smile. I'd put it on my... I'd be like, what? But getting those notes was like, yes, you know, that... that and reading them, it made me feel very good, not only about myself, but it was exciting. Did any of you, get, now honestly, did any, do any of you keep your love notes? There's, we got a couple. Ah, oh, Lois got hers. There you go. 
Kept her love notes, all right? I've kept some of my love notes. Uh, some of you guys need to work on your game out there. I mean, no, you just threw them away or you burn them or whatever. I still have your love notes, dear. I've still got them. She's got love notes, too, but she's got some of other guys. I mean, I, wait a minute. Now what's... Oh, well. When I was, uh, was going through my grandfather's stuff after he passed away, we found a, a family Bible that I ended up, I gave, or my dad has it now. And it was my great, great, great grandfather's from my grandmother's side. Grandpa Albert Baim came over from Germany in 1830-ish, I believe, before the Civil War. This is before German reunification, before Germany was what we call Germany today. At that time, just little kingdoms. He came over and he brought the Bible with him. And they were real big in the, in the church. And, and it's always fun to get a hold of an old Bible and you look at it. One of the interesting things about this Bible that was so unusual is I, we begin to open it and look at it. He had written all through this thing. He had taken notes. He had written things down. He had put... You know, wow, I learned something new today. And it was just like this whole Bible was just filled with notes and, and things put in there. And it was just quite an heirloom. And I know some folks, you're afraid to write in the Bible. It's like, I can't, no, I just can't. You know, lightning will get me or something. You know, I've written in the Bible thousands of times. I haven't been zapped yet. So, but uh, there's something about. And again, I got to be careful here. I'm not trying to judge people, but you ever get a hold of a well-worn Bible? Somebody that's obviously has had that Bible their whole life. They've treasured it. They've used it. They've read it. Uh, and then you look at that Bible, and it's just like this is you know this is like a testament to the the Christian life of this person. It's beautiful. Of course, in our uh, vain society that we got. Uh, we can, you can actually buy pre-worn Bibles now. You, can, you, know, you know, that way when you go to church, your Bible looks all worn out, and people go, wow, look how righteous they are. They're reading the Bible. They got that thing. It's all worn out. Wow. I don't know. Well, Mickey Mouse says it's almost 1130, so... Uh, a couple of things to think about as we, we, we move on here with the Bible. First of all, a few points. Uh, the Word of God is infallible. There's no error in God's Word. As a Christian, I believe that. Now, there are many people who are not Christians who study the Bible, that know it, look at it as a piece of literature, as a historical document, and they'll want to point out, oh, there's tons of errors in here, and there's so many errors. Why do you, how can you trust it? The law of the Lord is perfect concerning our life, concerning who we are. The, the testimony of the Lord is not only infallible, unbreakable, as it is inerrant. Proverbs 30, verse 5 through 6, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. Everything that's here, that's all it needs to be there. We don't need to add to it. When I get up here and preach, one of the things I'm mindful of, I've got to be careful that I'm 
I'm talking about the Word of God. I'm not adding to it. I'm not trying to embellish it. I'm not trying to stretch the truth a little bit. It is what it is, and it's perfect the way that it is. Second, I think the Word of God is complete. The Bible doesn't need any new chapters or verses. It's all given to us already. Now, there are lots of letters that we have from other apostles uh, that didn't make it into the, the lineup. I mean, there are, other, there are lots of books out there that aren't included in the Bible. Letters and things that were written at that time that probably could have been incorporated. But we don't, don't use those. I believe the Bible as it is, is that's enough. That's enough for me. All you need is God's Word, because that's what it is. It's a complete, it's the holy Word of God. Revelation chapter 2 warns us, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And those are some nasty plagues. If you've ever read any of those, I mean, that's some scary stuff. You think it's boring, take a trip through Revelation. Your hair will be standing on end before, before the end of it. And if anyone takes away the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. The book, the word of God is complete. We don't need to add to it. He's done with it. He has given the world his church, and he has given the world this book, his word. And that's enough. Third, the Word of God is totally authoritative. Psalms 119.89, Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. That's it. Argument over. That's settled then. This book has absolute divine authority. And that authority is for you and for me as servants of Jesus Christ. You know, when some say, you know, I have a word from the Lord for you. I've I've known people who have said that to me. You know, I just, God has given me a word. And then they'll, they'll tell me something. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. But that's not the word of God. It's not in the Bible. It might be a spirit, a lot of spiritual principles and spiritual sayings. I had a uh, one of our guidance counselors was trying to help this girl, who the guidance counselor knew she was a Christian, a very strong Christian, and she was talking to her. Now you know the Bible says God helps those who helps themselves, and she's sitting there and she looked up at her like she looked at me and I just kind of winked at her because we both do. That's not in the Bible. Unless maybe it's in the book of Hezekiah. You'll have to look. I don't know. You can look that up. In so. Fourth, God's word is totally sufficient for all of our needs. We don't need anything else. Again, 2 Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. We Christians can be secure in the Lord by by looking at the Bible because we know this is God's plan for our life. He didn't leave us in a big mystery. There are some things that are 
mysterious. But God wanted it to be no doubt. I mean, this is my plan for you. This is my love letter to you. This isn't the, the Ohio High School uh, football rule book 2018. This is my love letter to you. Everything that you need is, is it's right here. Finally, in what I take great hope in and satisfaction in, the Word of God will accomplish what it promises. Isaiah chapter 55, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. This is God talking here. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I gave you this word for a reason. I have sent it to you. It will not come back to me empty-handed. It will accomplish all that I intend for it to do. That's why we believe at this church, if you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, the Bible is essential. It's a big part of that. Because it's through the Bible that we really get to know who God is. If somebody, <laughs> you knew somebody had a real big crush on you, and you were like, man, I love that person. And you found out they wrote a really nice letter to you, and you're like, I ain't got time. Uh, you say you love me, that's good enough. I don't need to read all that, that Bible stuff. God's word is there. He gave it to us for a reason. Let's, let's finish up here. I made a, a real mistake last week. I was up here, we really need to get busy reading the Bible around here. Well, I did some looking around and, and some visiting and, and going to some different Bible studies. We have a lot of things going on in terms of the Bible. We have a Tuesday morning Bible study with Jen. I'm sorry I didn't blow that up, but she's actually uh, getting ready to start some of the basic fundamental beliefs of, of our church and and different things. That'll be a fantastic resource for people to take advantage of. Wednesday evening Bible study with Beth. Uh, we met out at the, 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 there's a coffee shop over on Bechtel. I don't remember the name of it. Beacon of Hope. And it was neat. The women that were there, they talked and, you know, they were looking at the Bible. And, and at the same night, the, some of the, the older uh, young adults were there. They were looking through the Bible as well. Kayla was leading them through that. And I made a mistake last week by suggesting that, you know, we all need to get busy and, and none of us are doing anything. There are many of us who are actively teaching the Word of God, who are actively looking after one another. And I'm so sorry if last week I offended anybody by and you know, we really need to, nobody's teaching anybody anything. That is totally not true. I screwed that up. We have people who have spent a lot of time and invested a lot into others to bring them along in the Word of God. I haven't spoken a whole lot about Seth over the last year. Seth was a friend of mine, just as all of you, and I knew Seth a long time ago. One of the things that I had admire most. And one of the things, and his, historians do this, after a little bit of time has passed, you can start to be uh, a little more um, objective about things. 
some of the emotion of Seth's gone, you know, that, that's over now. And, you know, we've had some little bit of distance there and we can look back. And one of the things that I admire about what, about his ministry here at the church is that a lot of times when a pastor leaves, the church falls apart. Well, he left and, and people will follow him or they'll just sort of drift away. I was talking to Beth Williams about this, and she really opened my eyes to this. One of the, the greatest things, and one of the, the, the biggest evidence that I think his ministry was a success is that after he left, so many of the things that he taught, they're coming to fruition. People are meeting in small groups. There are Bible studies. There are people giving more money than ever so that we can minister to other people. And that's what, to me, you know, if I was Seth, you know, I would look back on that, and I know you shouldn't be proud as a Christian, but I would sit back and go, thank you, God, they got it. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about Kyle. It's not about, I mean, it's about all of us as the church. And it's through the Word of God that I think is sort of the glue that holds all of that stuff together. Now, nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Seth was no different. I'm no different. But the fact is, the Holy Spirit is working in this church. How do I know that? Because we got people meeting on Tuesday mornings, on Wednesday nights. We got youth group going. We got serving people whose house burnt down. We're seeing new people all the time coming in through the door. It's beautiful. And the message that they're getting is, you know that church down there? And we've heard some weird things, but let me tell you, those people love Jesus, and they love us. They care about each other, and they care about this community. That's something I want to be a part of. And I think getting back to these spiritual disciplines is a great way to do that. The Word of God uh, is here for us. It, uh, it was given to us by God as a love letter, and it will not Quit and stop until it is accomplished all that it is meant to do in your life and in mine. Okay? All right, so no Bible study tonight for me. I didn't want to steal people from the chimes choir. I don't think we're big enough yet where we really need to be stealing people. <laughs> you know, I'm going to poach some people out of this group to get my group going. You know, we don't need to do that. Um, but if you're not involved in a, in a, in a group, there's, there's a group for you. We've got lots of different people meeting. Be a part of something. Get involved. Take a chance. You'll surprise yourself. It'll be a lot of fun, and you'll learn a lot about, about God and why we think it's important that you, you uh, take this book and not just read it, but, but love it, treasure it, and use it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this... Uh, chance to look at the Bible, to talk about its practical use. And God, we're so thankful you didn't leave us clueless. You gave us the Bible to tell the history of all the wonderful things that you've done, and you've given us something that we can use to grow in righteousness, to be more like Jesus, to live a life that's pleasing to you. Father, we love you today. Bless us as we continue to learn and to study your word. In Jesus' name, amen.